Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, plenty of entertainment. This is episode 100 of the Try Talking Sport podcast. Wow, what a milestone to achieve. I can't wait to see where the next 100 episodes will take me and who I will have the pleasure and privilege to chat with. There have been so many amazing stories shared through the show since May 2019. If you have been with me since the start, thanks for coming along for the ride. And if you are new to the show, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoy the episodes and be sure to check out some of the shows in the back catalogue. You'd be surprised at what you might learn and enjoy as you browse through all of the episodes. Thanks, of course, as always, to the guests who have been on the show since episode number one. There have been some great laughs along the way and I know you will enjoy this episode with Olympian Katrina Jennings. Be sure to keep an eye on our socials this week as we celebrate our milestone episode as there will be some great prizes up for grabs. So make sure to follow Try Talking Sport on Facebook and on Instagram. The 2023 season kicked off for me at the weekend as host of the Trathan Ireland Youth Awards. A fun afternoon was had in Waterford celebrating and acknowledging the success of many fabulous young athletes who had excelled in triathlon last season. It won't be long until we are fully into the thick of the race season for this year and I for one definitely can't wait to get into the mix and get things underway. Speaking of racing, be sure to check out the event listings on the Try Talking Sport website and if you are a race director or event organiser and your event is not listed on the site, please pop me an email to trytalkingsport at gmail.com and we'll get your event listed ASAP. Before we get into this week's episode, a shout out to our partners, Nuisan. Be sure to check them out on www.nuisan.com and use the code TTS15 to get 15% off a range of their products online. With Valentine's Day just around the corner, they have a host of products for you to give to your favourite athlete on February 14th. Now to this week's episode with Katrina Jennings. The Donegal native who now lives in Hong Kong represented Ireland in the marathon at the 2012 Olympics. With a passion for sport coursing through her veins from a very young age with swimming and triathlon her choice of sports during her early years before coming to excel at running. She has amassed a wealth of success in sport. Ten years on from the London Olympics she has certainly come into her own as a force to be reckoned with over ultra distance running as one of the best ultra marathon runners in the world. Securing the bronze medal in the IAU 100km World Championship last year, she also added a gold in the 50km European Championship to her name. She completed her 100km race in 7.07.16 and set a new national record for the distance whilst also setting a new 50-mile record too. She has previously finished on the podium in third place at the Comrades Marathon, the ultimate human race, and hopes to go as well, if not better, at this event in 2023. In June 2021, she won the Anglo-Celtic Plate at Mondello Park with an impressive 7.43.01 in the 100km race. In addition to her ultra-running success, Katrina has also racked up wins and podium finishes at the marathon distance. Breaking the tape at the 2022 Great Limerick Run, she also finished third at the Hong Kong Marathon in 2021 and has over the years secured multiple national titles across a range of running distances. By her own self-admission, it took Katrina a long time to get over her performance in London, where she endured a stress fracture during the race. Despite the injury, it is no doubt her grit, determination and inner drive to succeed that saw her cross the finish line on the day. 
Her finish time was far from where she had hoped or expected, but it's that steely determination, unwavering focus and commitment to her craft that has seen her take ultra running in her stride and deliver results that 10 years ago she couldn't even have imagined. This is a super episode of the podcast with a shining star that I have no doubt will continue to excel for many years in the sport that she loves. Now go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Katrina Jennings, I am thrilled to have you on the Try Talking Sport podcast, Olympian, champion ultra runner, champion marathon runner, champion across nearly every single distance of the sport of running. I'm in Galway, you're in Hong Kong. What's happening? I am. Hi, Joanne. Lovely to be on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me along today. Um, I'm here in Hong Kong. It's Friday evening. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend. What does a runner of your calibre do on a weekend? In Hong Kong? So this Friday slightly different. Um, we were due to meet friends for dinner but had to cancel so usually on a Friday evening we would go out for dinner something kind of local uh, you know close by home and then Saturday morning it get up early get my training in and again try and meet up with friends. So this weekend we were um, well a group of guys are going camping Um I am not a big fan of camping, but I'm going to go and do the hike and uh, get the the boat back in the evening so that I can sleep in my own bed on on Saturday night. But um, yeah, weekends usually just revolve around doing different things. Um, at the moment, it, the the weather's a bit cooler in Hong Kong, so it's good for hiking and getting out and about. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to make the most of it. Would hiking be considered a recovery activity for an ultra distance runner, or would it be considered maybe a little bit of strength training? Uh, probably recovery, I think, um, and certainly the speed that we'd be going at. <laughs> um, I do actually hike as cross training. I must say, we um, where I live here is very close to. There's a mountain right behind me, and uh, myself, and my husband, sometimes go out. Um, it's nice to kind of escape the city. Um, as you probably know Hong Kong. You've seen the pictures. It's it's a very very densely populated and uh, city full of high rise buildings. So uh, we're fortunate that there's a mountain pretty much almost akin to jungle right behind us so you can you can escape the city life pretty easily and it's nice to do that just to get some headspace it's a big difference from the hills of Donegal sure is (laughs) it's um it's much uh more I guess in a way it's greener which is bizarre because you know clearly Donegal is is definitely known for its it's green and it's uh it's lots of farms and things but it's almost like kind of I guess jungle here, which is weird. Um, I guess if you think about Thailand or you know some of the neighboring countries, it's similar in Hong Kong. It's just that um, people kind of focus more in the city than the than the um, the um, outside or the parks and things that we have here in Hong Kong. But it has both, which is brilliant for people that are living here. Yes, for the outdoors, except for the camping. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so you moved to Hong Kong back in 2019, just before COVID. That's right. My husband actually had an opportunity to move with work and I moved as well. I changed companies at the time, but stayed in the same industry. Um, I'm lucky. I work in aircraft leasing um, and it's, you know, it's obviously people in Ireland will be familiar with it. It's, um, it's a, you know, it's an industry which is quite unique to Ireland, but um, the great thing about it for me is that it's quite a small network of people and um, I was able to just reach out to some contacts and and manage to find an opening in Hong Kong as well without having to leave the industry. So I was really pleased with that. And um, yeah, I moved over in July 2019 and we've been here since. 
July 2019, God, the world was still spinning at a rate of knots pre-COVID at that stage. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, actually, Hong Kong was going through an interesting time then because we had the protests. Um, uh, a lot of the Hong Kongers were protesting on the streets against um, some of the national security laws that China were bringing in. So that was a kind of an interesting time to move here. Any Anyone that lives here that I tell that I moved in 2019, in July 2019, they say, oh, dear, you came at the wrong time <laughs> because it was the protest for the first six months. And then COVID kicked in and uh, like probably around this time, three years ago, in fact, uh, in January 2020 so um it's been an interesting time but but still I mean I I still love the city I think you know it still has a huge vibrancy here and really nice um really nice people and it's a great place to live actually so even despite the the challenges I think it's been a good few years but I guess no matter where you are in the world at this point there's challenges no matter no matter where we are. So just as long as you enjoy where you are and make the, the most of it is probably the, the best thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just have to make the most of it, as you say. Katrina, you are a phenomenal runner. It's just over 10 years from your 2012 Olympics, but you didn't always start out at running. You were a junior triathlete, if my uh, research is correct. That's right. Um, in fact, swimming was the very first sport that I, I started in. I remember being like four or five going to the, the local swimming clubs, Willie Seals and Letterkenny, and um, just becoming addicted to swimming, swimming three mornings a week before school and, you know, the usual routine of any kind of uh, young swimmer at the time. But um, yeah, started doing triathlon then. Well, I, like, I mean, obviously had been doing a lot of running through um, Letterkenny Athletic Club and um, the school as well in Loretto Convent and um, my dad was kind of fascinated with cycling at the time it was the era of um, Sean Kelly and Stephen Roach so um, started cycling and then just brought all three sports together and started doing triathlon at around 12 or 13 which in hindsight I was actually quite young but clearly you know wouldn't have been Olympic distance off the bat it was it was the shorter distances at uh, Ulster and national level that um, I was competing in then. So then where did the switch come into running? Because I think your first marathon, was that in Dublin in 2011? So what were yes. you doing between? So um, I think, so all the way through my teenage years, I was essentially a triathlete um, and competed a lot in triathlon, but still competed at swimming and in, at each of the individual sports as well. Um, and uh I think running was always my favorite and and when any triathlon I did I always remember I was kind of dying to get off the bike so I could get onto the run phase. I was a good enough swimmer the bike ugh, okay. It was never my favorite for training and I suppose it speaks volumes when when I look back because um of the three disciplines the bike was always the one where I would like really have to, you know, make an effort to get out on the bike and do the the training there. Um but when I moved to university and kind of probably, I guess I was a bit short on time. Now, in fairness, I wouldn't have been that short on time. But because running was my favorite of the three, it was the one that I always seemed to just end up doing. And I really loved the running part. So I I kind of probably focused more on running. And then when I moved to Dublin um, to start my first professional job, I joined a running club in Dublin. And that was really it just went from there. I just I just ran from then on. I know you did the the mini marathon. You won the mini marathon. I think it was it twenty ten? You won that, and then you moved into longer distance. You know, the yeah. goal for a lot of people is is marathon. We'll get onto your ultra running success in a few minutes, but that was a very quick succession into long distance running. 
It was. And, you know, I never really thought, oh, I want to be a long distance runner. Like I did love 5Ks, 10Ks. I loved, you know, all the club races that were on around the country. And back then it was all about different clubs, organizing races. Like it was very different scene that there wasn't so many of. I know there's a lot of kind of professional race organizers now that organize races throughout the country. But back then each club held a race and that was their fundraiser for the year and you know it was very much a community I'm not saying it's not a community now it still is of course but you know you kind of went to support the club but also to meet people and you know you kind of did it was the same people you met at all the races around the various um, especially the neighbouring clubs and things um, and I really enjoyed that but it was as I said it was all like very short 5k's 5 miles 10k's kind of maximum and of course, then the cross country season in the winter, which personally I hated, but you know, you did it for the club because there was always a team that you had to you show up for. So you don't like the bike and you don't like cross country running. No, I hated cross country, yeah. Um, and, and it's not that I don't like the muck, obviously, it's more that I was just useless at it and I would never perform well. So that just annoyed me. Then, um, when was it? I think, oh yeah, Donegal, the Finn Valley Club and Donegal were hosting the national half marathon championships in 2010. And I thought, you know what? I'll give it a go because it was, uh, you know, kind of a close enough to home race. And also they had said that the winner would be selected to represent Ireland at the World Half Marathon Championships in um, Birmingham. So I said, you know what, I'll give this a go. And I I ran it, I won it and I got selected for the Worlds, which was a brilliant, brilliant achievement for me. And it was my first um, first time representing Ireland at a senior level for running. So it was, you know, fantastic experience and absolutely loved it. Um, and then shortly after that, Marathon Mission decided that they would they wanted to set up an organization that would increase the standard of marathon running in the country and try and get more people qualified for the Olympic Games because there had kind of been a lull at marathon level, probably through the particularly the 90s and 2000s. Um, they wanted to kind of, you know, I suppose they they identified it as a as a distance that we could and should be doing better at and to be fair to them like it really was an, an, an incredibly an incredible success and they did surpass their own expectations as well but because of my half marathon time I hadn't run a marathon to qualify but because of my half marathon time I was asked if I wanted to join the group which of course I absolutely embraced with both arms it was um you know it's always nice to train with like-minded people and to have a, that kind of um organization and structure around the training and very various different races that we would target as a group we went to the great north run i remember in in um newcastle in i think that was probably in 2011 yeah i think it was 2011 and the lead up to the dublin marathon in 2011 which i actually unfortunately got injured before because at the time i was very prone to injury and like actually looking back was i was injured quite a bit but i still decided to run it because i had focused on it for so long and i really you know i didn't want to miss out I knew that um, I could run it without um, worsening the injury, or at least I decided if I felt anything, I would step off. And, um, you know, I ran it and I ran, it was, I ran 242 at the time. And funnily enough, come off the course thinking, wow, I know I can run the standard for um, for London if I if I get a decent block of training because I knew the training I had had gotten for that time was just like very, very poor and um, that gave me a huge lift and a huge amount of confidence. So it was really at, on that day that I decided, right, I'm going to go for London. I'm going to try and qualify. And um, I, I I targeted Rotterdam in 2012 then and got the qualifying time for, for London. So, yes, a very, it was a very short space of time between deciding I was going to try and run the marathon and actually qualify for the Olympics, which, you know, was 
was like a dream come true and absolutely amazing, uh, um, you know, at the time. And um, yeah, really good experience. You had a stress fracture at the Olympics. Uh, I actually didn't have a stress fracture before. I got one during the race. I had plantar fasciitis going into the race, a stress fracture during the race. Yeah, which which, <laughs> uh, mean obviously was probably building, but I didn't have like I, I I didn't have any I didn't even have any pain in that. But you know, in the bones before the race. Um, but I, of course, it you know a stress fracture as everyone knows doesn't just happen overnight. It's kind of a culmination of a lot of um stress, I guess, on the bone. So yeah, I came off. I stepped off the end of that race with the stress fracture and um went to the to the medical tent where I where I met Powell who had uh, pulled his um hamstring in uh, the 100 meter uh, four by one um at least I you know it was a terrible time but at least you know there was or misery likes company is there some sort of saying yeah, like I think it's, it's either yeah I think it's misery likes company or company likes misery but I think you're right That's it. Yeah, yeah anyway um so yeah no I yeah unfortunately you know London didn't go as planned it was extremely disappointing and you know look it took me a long time to come to terms with that experience and even to be able to talk about it um you know, it did take a number of years for me to finally realize that actually, yes, it didn't go as planned, but wasn't the total disaster that I just had it in my head as this absolute disaster that couldn't have been worse. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's sport and we do it because we love it. And it's, 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 it gives us like, personally, it has given me so, so much joy over the years. And, um, like, obviously you want to do your best when you're representing your country and particularly at the Olympic games on that stage, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping for the very best performance that you can, but, but look at the end of the day, it didn't, didn't happen for me in, in London. And, um, but I can look back now and realize that it was still like, I mean, I'm still very proud of myself for getting there and for, you know, battling through on the day. And, you know, there's so many people that never make it to the Olympics. Like at the end of the day, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. And to get to the Olympics is, is such a huge achievement. And considering as well, I know you'd been running for quite a bit and you'd been in sport for quite a bit. But considering that short period of time from that very first marathon right through to London 2012 was a very short uh, turnaround. It's time. very short. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Look, it was a very short time. And 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 even now I would say if I was if someone was to ask me would they should they run a marathon in October April and August of pretty much the same 12-month period I'd say no way that's crazy so you know <laughs> I can say that now because I know but like at the time I was like oh of course I'm going to run another marathon and try and qualify and of course I'll be fine running the Olympics like you know um, I think you can convince you can kind of get blinkers at the time when you're very focused on something and it was and particularly because it was my first three marathons like it wasn't I wasn't a seasoned marathon runner who kind of understood the recovery process and knew my body well enough like I, I wouldn't have been as in tune with my body then at all as I am now so you know it probably was just too much in a very short period of time kind of mentioned it briefly just that you were picking up a lot of injuries over the course of your your running so you seem to be less injury prone now so what's changed is is it nutrition is it recovery is it the training has changed like what has changed for you that now you seem to not be injured 
I think it's a combination of all of the above, Joanne. I think, um, firstly, I understand my body much better. I, I, I know if I get a niggle that it's a warning sign. Before, I used to get a niggle and think, oh, well, I'll just keep going and ignore it and hopefully it'll go away. <laughs> and look, I, I'm not saying I stop for every niggle. I don't. I still keep training through most of them. But I do. I can. I now understand the difference between like a niggle that's fine and a niggle that you actually definitely need to get, you know, um, you need to get seen. Um, and I think as well that I am a bit smarter about training. Like I'm not as focused on getting all the sessions in if I'm really busy in work or if I've got just too many other commitments I will say look I'll I'll reprioritize my week I I won't necessarily cut out the key sessions of the week I'll always make sure I get my key sessions in but I will sometimes drop some of the say recovery runs or the what I would consider the less important sessions so I'm just smarter about training and I think then as well definitely the nutrition side of things I've I've really improved I think I mean I guess a couple of things, but I do understand now the need to to um, refuel immediately after training. Even if it's an easy run, you still need to get something, some nutrition into your muscles just to start that recovery process as quickly as possible. I'm not as concerned about counting calories and trying to cut weight. So I'm not, I guess I'm happier to eat, you know, I'm happier to eat what I should be eating after after runs and I do prioritize it as well I think you know as I said if I'm if I am busy and 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 short on time I'll just try and make sure I have something that's really easy and quick to eat before I have to continue doing whatever else but I I won't um I won't skip skip those very key um kind of recovery the recovery fuel that you know your body needs after those sessions so I think that all three of the above kind of have have really helped any um tasty recovery treats that you can share with our listeners that's your go-to treats I'm not very adventurous but um for me banana very easy um chocolate oat milk I love but um, I, I'll only maybe have that after a you know a hard long run or a hard session um and I've also started taking um tailwind uh, recovery drinks which are low in sugar and high in just the you know the kind of key nutrients that you need look I I, I would always say better to have real food than supplements but for me um you know just knowing that that's like really quality ingredients are used to make that um tailwind nutrition the recovery drink I, i'll i'll have that you know especially after hard days when it's just easy and quick to get into you after london did you take a little bit of a step away from running completely i know you went down a rowing path did you let go of the running completely or did you did you keep a little bit of it up? I know your sister is an Olympian as well, Sinead, in rowing. So a very sporty family. How was it after London, you know, to pick yourself back up and kind of say, OK, what am I going to do now? So London, yeah, I came back. I came home from London in a boot. Um, I had a stress fracture in in my left foot and, you know, realised that I was going to have to, you know, just all you can do with stress fractures is weight, I guess, and, you know, try and eat properly and get the right nu- nutrients in. Um, but as for training, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be able to run for a while. I was on the bike a bit, just trying to stay fit once I could. Um, and then... My God, you must have been desperate if you went on the bike. Oh, I was so desperate. I was just taking the boot off and, you know, going on the bike. I shouldn't have been doing it, of course, but, you know... No, you don't like the bike. I meant in the... Oh, no, I hate the bike. Yes. You were desperate for exercise. And to make it worse, I was in the gym on the bike. You know, I was in the stationary bike, which is even worse than being out on the road. <laughs> um but um yeah of course I was I was addicted to the you know to the hormones and whatnot but um the um, 
exactly um so yes i uh then i got back running and i was so keen to just like i was ready to you know uh absolutely dominate running to um as retribution for my awful london experience and i went into it with just so much gusto i mean I wish I had, I wish I could whisper in my ear now, like 10 years later saying, please hold back, hold back. What are you doing? But anyway, needless to say, I picked up an inch, I picked up a stress fracture in the other foot, the healthy foot immediately, almost immediately within a few weeks. And actually it was crazy in a way because I remember getting the pain thinking, God, this is, and you know, you, you always know with stress fractures because you kind of get this night pain. And I mean, I knew in my heart and soul, it was a stress fracture, but I was saying it couldn't possibly be because I've only been back running for like maybe six weeks at the most and I was taking it easier so I thought um I didn't think it was possible but anyway it was it was another stress fracture and uh, I went to the doctor who was helping me in Trinity at the time and um I mean he was just like you just need you actually just need to give your body a rest it's not going to you know this is not good for us you need to recover you're never going to get anywhere if you keep doing this this is like a bad cycle so I kind of sat back and said, well, well, what can I do? Because I can't not do anything. And um, uh, my sister, as you mentioned, was rowing at the time. She was actually making a comeback, trying to qualify for Rio. Um, She'd been trying to qualify for Olympics for probably, I mean, gosh, at least 10 years because she won the world championships in the lightweight single skull in 2001. And that event isn't an Olympics event, but the lightweight double skull is. So she went through a number of different partners and they all had varying degrees of success, to be fair, but just never actually got that Olympic qualifying um, spot. So she was making a comeback. Um, so my dream was that I would get to Rio with her in the boat as a lightweight, um, you know, as a lightweight double. And uh, weight lifting or weight training is actually a, a really important core part of the rowing program, which also increases bone density. So I thought, oh, well, this is perfect. I'll be doing weightlifting for the training anyway. I'll be increasing my bone density and, you know, I'll give it a go and see if, you know, we could make this amazing dream come true of Sinead qualifying and me being in the boat with her. But I started rowing in 2012. Well, no, it was probably early 2013 um, with the goal of getting to Rio. So I, I had like fairly lofty expectations as an office rower. <laughs> wow, that's fairly incredible. Yeah. Now, in fairness, I, you know, I was decent. I was good on the erg. I made it onto the Irish squad. I moved down to Cork to train in the National Rowing Centre with the, you know, the high performance unit there. And like it was going OK. But look, at the end of the day, I didn't love rowing. I was doing it with this really with one goal in mind. And that's the, that was my only motivation. And like, you know, that's never really the, the right attitude for anything in life. I suppose you have to enjoy the journey as well as the destination. And the journey has to be worthwhile for you to actually, you know, for the whole thing to be worthwhile. So it was probably um, I think it was actually in 2015 or was it 2014? No, it would have been. Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was probably there for maybe nine months or so. So it was probably 2014. Um, and I just called it. I thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. It's not like, it's, it, I, I don't get the same enjoyment out of this. I remember actually one day, in fact, it was before I moved to Cork. So it was early enough in the, in the um, process of rowing, but I was out in Blessington rowing on a Saturday morning. And um, for anyone that rows in Blessington, you know, you, you row up the, the reservoir and you come back and you turn at the bridge and um anyway I was up at the bridge and I noticed um there were people running over the bridge and I was just looking up at them going oh my god they're so lucky I'd love to be running 
<laughs> and I realized I was like, that's such a weird thought because I'm actually, you know, supposed to be loving growing here. And I'm just looking enviously at these runners. Um, so I think that kind of summed it up. I just wasn't, my heart wasn't in it and I didn't love it. And, you know, it's very hard to dedicate that much of yourself to something that you're not really loving. How did you break the news to Sinead then that you were going to give up rowing? Or did she kind oh, of go she anyway? Knew, oh, she knew all along. In fact, I she was probably part of the reason that I made the final call because, you know, I was I would be talking to her a lot and um I, you know, I was saying, Oh, this is really tough going. I mean, it was tough going because I moved, I was still working. I moved to the Cork office. Um, I was literally getting up every morning, training for two or three hours, getting to work, working late to make up the time, going home, going to bed, getting up, doing, repeating the same. Like I was, it was actually such a horrible schedule. I, I don't think I'd ever do it again. I had zero time for anything, any sort of social activity, like not even time to meet someone for a coffee. Like it was a hard, like it was a really, really literally rowing and working. And that was it because all weekend as well would be rowing. And then I, I'd, I'd, um, I'd drive up to Dublin after the Sunday session we usually got a half day on a Sunday and I remember like often having to like pull over to the side of the road in the, you know, the way those little lane, the laybys in the dual carriageway just for a sleep because I was so exhausted. And I was like, this is not safe. You know, so I I actually then started getting the bus to Dublin because I realized that I shouldn't be driving. It was like, it was a very, very, very intense um, period of training and working. And I mean, yeah, I just wasn't enjoying it. Um, like to do that and to give up absolutely everything else in your life, you'd want to really love the sport. And it was just something I was doing. I wasn't loving it. So, I mean, it's not I, it's very rare in my life that I've, you know, quit. But I think on that occasion, I'm really glad I made the decision that, you know, it was time to quit and just go. I moved back up to Dublin and I cheered Sinead on from a distance and uh, obviously was absolutely delighted when she made the, you know, herself and Claire Lamb qualified for Rio and became the, the I think they, they finished sixth in Rio and they, that was the best performance by an Irish female crew in in rowing history in Ireland. So, you know, I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, and um, obviously was the start of, well, between themselves and the, the Donovans and um, Sunita. They, they, they were the three crews that made it to to um to Rio at the time and I think you know they've obviously left a really good legacy and in fact sure Paul is still rowing and and Sunita as well so you know I think I I, I really still enjoy watching them and watching their success but um I'm Glad definitely, definitely don't miss it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you much prefer running so much so that you went into ultra running and have had so much success with it. I mean, I, I couldn't list off what's on your CV because I'd be 20 minutes probably listing out all your results. But I'm just going to look at 2022, for example, and mention the two big ones, which is third at the 100 kilometer world championships. You also got a gold in the 50k European championships. But what was quite interesting was that you took a national 100k record and a 50 mile record at the world championships for Ireland that's right yeah and actually the my 100k time was also a world record for the over 40 category which I don't like admitting but <laughs> don't look <laughs> over the world record so kind right. of okay I said it to you before we started you know um just how like when I was looking at some of your your stats and stuff like it's 10 years since London and how far you've come from 2012 to 2022 was just incredible so what was it in between like where and where did this 
decision come from to progress into long distance running? Now, I know you've had lots of success at marathon and half marathon distances and the shorter distances as well in between. But why ultra running? So, you know, I have to say it's it did resist ultra running for a while. I must say it was never um, it was never an area that I was that interested in. I kind of looked at people that were ultra runners and thought, oh, my God, they're crazy. Like, why would you want to run 100K? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, you know, I never thought I would be that person. Um, I sometimes think of myself as the reluctant ultra runner. But, you know, I, it's something now I probably have to accept given the results I've had. When I came back from London, one of the guys I that was in the training group that I was in in Dublin said to me, well, that's interesting because I always knew you had the engine to be an ultra runner. Now I know you have the mental capacity to be an ultra runner because he could see, you know, I was clearly hurting for a lot of London and I was never going to give up and it was never even entered my head that I was going to step off and not complete that course. So I think, you know, the two things that you need to be a good ultra runner, you need to have that mental, the ability to endure, the ability to, I think, you know, personally, I think one of the the key things is to be able to just shut out the negative voice in your head and just like, you know, focus on the, the, you know, the moment, the present that you're in and just realize that, you know, you need to keep going. And secondly, then just the endurance side of it. Now, if you look at my own PBs, um, like my 5k PB would not be anything outrageously good as you as I increase the distance my PBs are always like so much more impressive relative to say world standards um, and I suppose you know I did always have that and look I probably started doing endurance events at a very young age like you know it's not I mean certainly in my day it wasn't that common to be a triathlete at the age of 12 um, so I, I just have that that years and years and years of endurance training, regardless of what the sport was. I have the endurance and um, it was actually um, I had an opportunity to represent Ireland in the World Championships 50K in 2015. And I think, you know, if, if you ever get the opportunity to represent your country, you know, personally speaking, it's always such a huge honor for me. So I will definitely take the opportunity. Now, I was training for a marathon at the time and I thought, oh, but I'm only training for marathon distance. Like, how am I going to cope with 50K? And my coach um, at the time, Terry McConnell, just said, look, just, you know, it's not that you will be fine. He obviously had the, had the, the faith in my in my ability, my endurance ability. And he said, look, just just go out there and run it and, you know, do your best. And um, I went and ran it and finished fourth. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was it wasn't. Um, it was it's very different to the marathon, actually, surprisingly, because in one hand, it's only another 8K, which seems very little. But actually, it's very different distance in terms of strategy and just your mindset th- during it um, and where the halfway point comes is is like later, obviously. But it just it it does matter because you're 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 kind of um, I think my whole mindset is different when I'm running a 50K to a, um, a marathon. But anyway, um, that went really well. And I thought, oh, well, maybe 50K is OK. It's not that long. So it's, it's we're just double it. We just double yeah, it. Yeah, so <laughs> no, it took me quite a while. It took me another. Um, I ran my first 100K in 2021. So it took me another six years to double it. <laughs> but I eventually got there. It was a gradual increase. I ran Comrades in 2019. It's the ultra, um, the ultra marathon in South Africa. And um, it's one of the I, I guess it's one of the most prestigious ones and I absolutely loved that experience like I just really loved it and I think that was probably for me a bit of a turning point in the world of ultra running where I thought actually 
I do really enjoy this. It's not, I'm not doing it. I, I don't think it's as crazy anymore. And it's not, um, I actually think I'm like I'm you know suited to it so let's just go with it and and see where it brings me and yeah it has um it has definitely um renewed my love for running and and uh given me a whole new world of different kind of goals and aspirations which is actually you know pretty good at this t- at this stage of my running career you mentioned there that there's not that much of a step up from a marathon to a 50k is like the eight just under 8k but there's a massive jump I mean there's a double jump to 100k so how does your preparation change for a 50k versus 100k or does it is it still the same process by and large the same process yeah like I mean at the end of the day I'm certainly not going to go out and run um you know I don't know like what would you say like 30k every day like I'm just not going to do that (laughs) and I mean I'm sure my body would break down anyway like I suppose for me it's kind of a bit of a feeling my way along I don't know what the like the perfect um, 100k training program is um I do know that like what I tried last year and the previous year it was kind of like a trial and error um you know trying to um well particularly I think you know my training program is a little bit unique at the moment as well because I'm um because I work full time and sometimes, you know, I would have to work quite late in the evening. So I try to um, put a lot of like pack a lot of my training into the weekends, which I, I think in, in a way really works for ultra running because, you know, trying to, you know, getting to solid quality long runs back to back the weekend is good because, well, A, you're getting, um you know, you're kind of straining the body a little bit in that in a similar fashion to what you would be in a an ultra run but also um it just so happens that I can do a lot of my training at the weekend and it's it's effective so when Um, you say long long quality distance running or long runs at the weekend what distance are you talking about depends on the stage of the training cycle um but say coming up close to a big championship race I would possibly do maybe I could do 18 miles on a Saturday 22 miles on a Sunday which you know doesn't seem that long if you're training for a marathon people say oh I run 22 24 miles on a Sunday but you don't necessarily run like a 20 or an 18 or 20 miles on a Saturday um and, I, and actually some weekends will be more than that like like I could do up to I mean yeah actually probably 40 miles 40 to 45 miles would probably be the most I would do in the combined two days but that's you know that's a, quite a big amount of mileage in a you know in a two-day period and within that, I'd have like some not necessarily speed work, but some tempo work in it. I don't do time on feet. Some people do and it works really well for them. And it depends what you're doing in the rest of your week. But for me, I try to include some quality in those long runs so that, um, you know, it's it's kind of more akin to like the race itself. Say, for example, I might do like a mi- two mile on a mile off or a mile on a mile off. I, I will also adapt it to, to how I'm feeling. Like if I feel I'm wrecked, you know, on the Sunday, I won't force myself to do that because I because now I'm much smarter about my, you know, my my reaction, my body, my injuries. But if I'm feeling good and, um, you know, I'm feeling that I'm up to it that day, I'll do uh, like I might do run easy 10 miles and then the second 10 miles would be mile on mile off or two miles on one mile off um, and that actually is quite fun for me as well because it breaks it up and it makes it a bit more interesting and less you know mundane just going out there running because I do a lot of my training on my own here in Hong Kong so that it just makes it easier for me as well so yeah I wouldn't just go out and run like maybe although some days like if I'm feeling really tired and I feel like I need to get like a good run in but I don't want to get do too much or go overboard I might just run for three hours and um just 
whatever mileage I get in in that time, then that's fine, you know. And I'm not sure if this question is even relevant to training or maybe it's more relevant to racing, but when you're doing 100K, well, I suppose it's more relevant to racing. When you're doing a, like a 50K or 100K race, what are you thinking about when you're running? Yeah, the first 100K I did, I, I really struggled at the start. I was like, oh my God. Like, so I knew I was like, roughly speaking, I wanted my target time for it was probably like somewhere between seven and a half and eight hours. I was like, what am I going to think about for eight hours? That's like a full day's work where, you know, you, you're in the office, you're having coffee, you're going to meetings, you're having your lunch, you're back, you're working. I was like, what am I going to think about for all that time? And I just couldn't, I like, it was it was actually quite daunting for me. I wasn't worried about how am I going to run for eight hours, interestingly. I was more worried about what am I going to think about for eight hours. So um, I, I just broke it up. I mean, as anyone would probably tell you it was obviously the simple answer but not one that immediately came to me um I broke it up into smaller segments like the first hour I was like well this hour can be like my warm-up I'll pretend to be warming up for an hour and then um the next hour I was thinking my parents were coming to support my sister and I was like oh I wonder will they be there by that time and you know just things like really really random things but I was just like you know trying to cut it into um hours or two hour um segments so that I didn't think about the full eight hours I thought about the current hour or the next hour um I think that's really the only way you can get through it and actually interestingly it was in Mandela Park that I did it, it was the Anglo-Celtic plate so there was an entire Irish team and I ended up running with one of the Irish guys quite close to the end and his coach um it was a 1.8k lap so it was crazily short and I think we just 50 57 laps or something it was like pretty mind-boggling in itself the laps but um his coach would say a couple of lines of a song to him at the start of say the last when it came to the last 10 laps so that he would just think about the song throughout the lap and I started thinking about the song as well because I had heard it and you know once you hear something you can't unhear it and the first few laps I was like oh this is actually quite an interesting idea this is quite good and then I was like oh my god I just do not want to hear any more songs because you know your head is just like it wasn't it wasn't baby shark by any chance was it no (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so you've run around Mondello and I've cycled around it I did the 24 hour Mondello park 24 hour race with Cycling Ireland's Women's Commission last year oh so so much fun like did they open the full circuit for you 3.8k I think it was yeah so it was good a lot of laps in 24 hours on the team of eight so I think we did um we went out and cycled three laps uh in our half an hour at least I was cycling three laps in we'd half an hour stint each to do and ah, brilliant okay yeah it was really Amazing. really good but uh yeah I couldn't imagine running around the track for 24 hours like I see at uh, Ray O'Connor from Run Ireland does an awful lot of the long distance running and speaking of Run Ireland you wouldn't be convinced to come to Connemara in August of this year to uh, to do the Connemara 100 mile would that be something on your radar or what is on your radar for 2023? Well, that's a good, that's a nice um, little thought to put in my head. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My mother will be shouting, yes, take it, come. (laughs) So for 2023, um, I'm still a little uncertain on the start of the year, but I know Comrades in June is going to be my main target for the year. Um, I missed out on Comrades last year because it clashed with the World Championships 100k. It was on the following day, which I was devastated about because... I do love the race and I think my heart was telling me 
uh, run comrades in my head was saying, no, we're on the World Championships because it's an Irish fest. And at the time when I was making the decision, it was back in January, February of 2022. And I thought there was a chance it'd be an Irish women's team as well. And I really, you know, I really was keen to to be part of that. And then once I'd made the decision to run that, unfortunately, there wasn't a team, but I was like still focused on, you know, dead set. I was doing that, the World Championships, but I, I was disappointed to miss out on comrades. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably my target for this year. So it's a point to point race and it changes direction every second year. So it goes from like they call it the uprun because it's more net positive, you know, incline on on one direction and then the other direction they call it the down run because it's net down even though there's still plenty hills but um this year is down so the year I had run it was up and now it's down so I'd be interested to try it the other way around and I think well let's hope it suits me (laughs) so that's June and then also the world championship 50k is due to take place this year it was originally scheduled for June as well in South Africa but that's been cancelled now so they'd probably I I hope they'll reschedule it somewhere um but there hasn't been a definitive date or or venue set for that yet so when that comes up um I'll definitely be running that and hopefully we'll have an Irish female team in that as well Sorka Luckman is is absolutely shooting the lights out on the the 50k scene as well so um be great if we can you know get a team and and, and get competitive on that distance when you look back now at the aftermath of of London and and the disappointment and and you mentioned earlier you know you said that when you don't perform well it angers you when you look back now at London and you look at that trajectory that you've had and those incredible results and the Irish records that you have the world and European medals that you have could you ever have imagined when you were so disappointed and devastated with London that you'd be at the level that you're at now no I I would never have predicted this would happen I must say I if at best I would have thought I was I would continue marathon running and kind of be obviously improve but like I even at marathon running I always knew I was never going to be winning marathons or you know really competitive at that level um on a world stage so um I think yeah it's been a journey for sure and a very interesting one it's taken me a while to get here but I'm really happy that I'm here and um yeah I'm excited that I'm now finally an ultra runner (laughs) and what do you think it is that you have that is giving you the success at the long distance stuff or in running in general, in sport in general, what, what is it? Well, as I said, I love it. So I think that's really important. I do genuinely love it. I love, I mean, I'm not saying that I wake up every morning and go, yeah, I can't wait to get up early and go running. Like there are of course days when I don't want to get out of bed, but I do overall, I love the sport. I love running. I love the training and I absolutely love competing. And I, I, I do have like a really steely, determination in me and I don't even know exactly why or where it came from but I definitely have a, a an, inner, an inner drive that I want to compete and I want to do well and I think that is my biggest motivator because to me um while I do love it I, I do train to race and you know I, I do love racing so yeah I'm I'm fortunate that I'm still able to do that and and be competitive at this stage if you were to look back at your results in all of your sporting endeavors, what's the one you're most proud of? Um, I still think it's qualifying for the Olympics um, in Rotterdam in 2012, just because that was basically achieving a lifelong dream. And 
it was something that I, I never probably fully believed that I would get. But, you know, it was really, really special to get that and, um, you know, to be selected for the for the Olympic Games. I think very close second and third would be the the bronze medal in the World Championships this year and, and my bronze medal in Comrades in 2019. And of course, my gold medal in the Europeans. But but for some reason, because the the worlds were before the Europeans I think that was just a really special moment for me because it was kind of like I had um as you said it had been a, a, almost like a 10-year lull not quite a lull of course that you know I had mediocre success here and there but like that was my first major comeback and like medal on a, on a world level and that was really really a very special moment for me as well and then considering all of the locations that you've raced what's your favorite race venue or race location probably California <laughs> I love California myself my husband and I just love going there but um I raced in the Lake Sonoma 50 mile race in 2022 as well actually and it was it was an absolutely stunning race stunning venue stunning course um and yeah that was probably my favorite um venue I guess yeah we have lots of listeners who are triathletes I know you don't like cycling but I have seen you do recovery spins in Mallorca so you do actually still get on your bicycle do you think in the future will a triathlon ever be on your radar I'd absolutely love to do an Ironman I I I just don't know how yeah like I mean the the training for it kind of is a bit daunting but I'd love to do an Ironman and I'd love to do one that would qualify me for Kona I think it would be amazing I think that would be the pinnacle to be able to race at Kona I was not <laughs> expecting that answer. I thought you were going to say, no way, not a hope. And are you still uh, swimming? I am actually, yeah. I'm in a swim group here in Hong Kong. Um, the It's an outdoor pool. So the pool is closed for January because it's too cold. It's only an average of about 20 degrees. So very cold. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Galway Bay this morning is seven degrees. Crazy. I know I was home at Christmas and people were swimming in the sea without wetsuits. I was like, oh my God, you're crazy. I don't know how they were doing it. Oh, I'm so much, so much admiration. I really do. Um, just looking at people made me told. <laughs> but you're obviously you're you're doing the the open water sea swims without wetsuits. During again. COVID, yeah, during COVID. Like I only live a kilometre and a half away from the sea and um I was obviously when we were training for triathlon, we were putting on wetsuits, you'd swim away. But during co and, th- and then obviously I started talking too much. So my triathlon career kind of went on the shelf and I've been doing a bit more biking and lots of talking. But during COVID, because we couldn't go anywhere, there was very little work. It was like this whole lifestyle change. We used to go down to the sea. I think it was the June bank holiday weekend. Lots of the girls in the tri club were getting in and uh, of 2020. And I was like, oh, really, I should just get in. Like, what's my excuse? What is my excuse? Yeah. So I ended up just getting in on my skins in June and I didn't stop getting in until I think it was uh, March 2021. So I did a whole season, a winter season of swimming and skins and everything. Um, Some of it now is only dipping for two minutes or three minutes, but some of it was actually staying in the water for 15, 20 minutes um, and, and then continued throughout the summer of 2021. And then the world started turning again and I started talking again and my 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 winter yeah yeah my my sea swimming kind of dropped off but I'm very proud of myself now because I did start getting back into the sea just like once a week or once every couple of weeks when I could because life is busy again now you don't have the flexibility to go down and a 10 minute dip yeah but a 10 minute dip used to take an hour and a half or two hours because you'd just be talking having coffee sitting outside you've nothing to do (laughs) there was that whole piece 
around the social aspect of it, you know, no more than going to the running club and so yeah. important as well. But uh, I'm so proud of myself. And even the chairperson of Galway Tri Club, Francis Yates, commented on this when he saw my name. I signed up for the swim block for Galway Tri Club, swim pool sessions for the, the next six to eight weeks uh, with the Brilliant. Tri Club. And it was 2017 or 2018 since I've last done that. So there's definitely a pull of something. Oh, I definitely yeah. feel the ocean. I passed it today and it was wild. I'm hoping to get in today for a couple of minutes, but um, there's definitely a bit of a pull back to the sea. I'd like to do yeah. to do a few bits. It's hard when you're traveling. It's hard when you're talking. And um, but yeah, I know, yeah. But yeah, I, it's good to make time. Yeah, and sometimes just hopping on the turbo for half an hour, forty minutes is is as much. Yeah as you can get done in a day yeah um, and at least it's something yeah yeah absolutely so coming back to you Katrina you mentioned that the Olympics was a lifelong dream but at what age did the Olympics become the dream was it always on your radar it was always on my radar yes um I think purely because of watching it on tv and seeing you know following the Irish team from all the sports not necessarily running but um but yeah all the sports and um then I did uh an Olympic youth camp with the triathlon association um you know when I was quite a young teenager I think probably maybe 14 or 15 and you know that so there was always kind of like the Olympics was always there there about in the background and yeah I don't know why but uh yeah it was it was definitely a very long dream yeah from a young teenager I guess so the Olympic dream watching other people in sport who from a sporting perspective would have been a big inspiration or a big influence in your in your life um, I think Sanyo Sullivan which is probably a very common answer you get <laughs> but um yeah it's like she was phenomenal both in you know not just the Olympics but in all her um international competitions and I think you know we definitely would have loved supporting her at home so yeah I think she was she's probably the standout um inspiration for me uh, certainly you know as a younger athlete and then you know as I got older I think um my older sister Sinead as well was a was a huge inspiration because I was 21 when she won the world championships so you know I I hadn't really gone into much of my running kind of success at that stage so you know having seen her achieve at such a high level you know on a world stage was really inspirational to me as well we will have lots of listeners who are athletes who've done Ironman. We'll have lots of um, listeners who are runners who've maybe done a marathon and are maybe tempted or inspired by this conversation and by your results to maybe try an ultra or to step up to 100k. What would you say would be the best piece of advice that you could give somebody who's looking to step up in distance to 50 or 100k? Well, I'd say definitely do it. You'd never know how much you're going to enjoy it unless you try. So definitely do it. You probably won't regret it. But um, I would say choose a race or a venue that inspires you so that, you know, you are really willing to do the training, um, you know, before it. And it's something that excites you so that, you know, you're you're on the days, as I said, when you don't necessarily feel like training, you will want to train because you have that goal in mind. So yeah just give it a go don't overdo it just because you're doing a long distance race doesn't mean you have to do huge amount of weekly training in your mileage so stick to the you know that golden rule of only additional 10 percent per week and stay healthy on the way and my final question for you then is what are you most looking forward to for the year ahead not necessarily even in sport like what are you most looking forward to for the next 12 months or so 
in general i think just the ability to travel again and living in hong kong we've been um restricted we've had to quarantine hotel quarantine anytime we've left hong kong um when we return here it ranged from three weeks to a week and i've done all sorts of quarantines so being able to travel quarantine free and you know see more of the region and um have weekends away and uh you know maybe even race in the region here as well that's probably what i'm looking forward to most um and just having that freedom again to travel and explore and of course your camping trip this weekend oh yeah the hike <laughs> the hike you're not camping I'm the, hike home. <laughs> the hike only well Katrina thank you so much for joining me on the show it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you the last time we met was uh, when I was uh, hosting the Fair Game podcast with Emily Glenn yourself and Aileen Flynn were on the show and how far we've all come since then has been magnificent so thank you so much and I wish you the very best of luck for the future ahead thanks so much Joanne and same to you wishing you continued success Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. If you would like to hear more great episodes of the podcast, be sure to check them out on our website, www.trytalkingsport.com or wherever you get your podcasts with lots of episodes of the show now available. There's a huge back catalogue of inspiration and motivation to choose from. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please email me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. 